CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It's time for your money and your life with Don Cash and myself to talk about three conversations to have about money over the holidays. So we're going to get into that chat with Don this week here on the program. As always, don't forget to subscribe to us if you have not done so. Consider doing so uh, on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Type in your money or your life in the search box or find all the information you need at doncashpodcast.com. Uh, and now we're only about a week away, maybe even less by the time we get this out of here from Christmas. So uh, Don, you got your shopping all done. Mark, I admit I am a really terrible last-minute shopper. <laughs> You're going to pay <laughs> for it sure when you go to the stores. You. I'm one of those guys. My yeah. wife is the best. I mean, she starts early, and she gets right on it. But, uh, you know, really, I have no excuse. I, I really only need to shop for Kathy and my brother and sister. I mean, she does all the rest. Well, that's good. That's always nice to have that going on. So um, you just have to get a couple things then, sounds like. Yeah. Not that's, too much. Uh, just did a couple things for for her and uh, my siblings. And yeah. how about yourself? Yeah, I'm good. I'm done. I'm all set, ready to roll. So I took Here. care. Yeah, I got it knocked out, man. I'm good in that department. You got any holiday plans? Well, Christmas is always at our house with okay. the family, like kind of like Thanksgiving, right? Right, the right. Same day is spent with. Um, you had mentioned Thanksgiving, putting your eating pants on, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically the same, right? Yeah, it's, uh, same here. Day spent with food and family watching sports it's actually on a monday this year so not as much sports on christmas eve there'll be a lot of sports on it's on a sunday mm-hmm. but watching a lot of movies christmas movies stuff like that yeah good good and speaking of uh christmas and holiday gatherings let's talk about the three conversations to have about money over the holidays and this could kind of be a sensitive subject but certainly worth exploring i think right yeah absolutely i mean what Got me thinking about this is an article in a recent uh, Morningstar publication, Mark, mm-hmm. and a podcast from one of my colleagues in Nashville, Paul Winkler, who puts on a great radio show and a podcast. And I also had a meeting this week with a client and his attorney at the attorney's office to update legal documents like the will, power of attorney, living will, and healthcare authorization forms, things like that. Mm-hmm. It was really eye-opening some of the stuff that came up so i think overall when it gets to family gatherings and money conversations over the holidays i think it's just a good idea to step back and appreciate time we have with loved ones right i mean if the past year three years has taught us anything it's that life is short and things can really change on a dime. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a great point. So we want to make sure that we're, you know, again, we're all kind of hopefully hanging around one another a little bit. So it's a good time, right? To just sit down and, and maybe broach some subjects. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and money is something that you know, can be sensitive, right? right. As you mentioned. Of course. Yep. And as we open up these money conversations, I think we need to be sure that we're approaching it with, I guess, sort of a gentle, non-judgmental spirit and a mindset of trying to help people. I mean, most of us have been very fortunate to be successful in life, and many of our own family members, you know, kind of struggle with a variety of issues. So uh, certainly there's more than three conversations to have, but we can focus on the ones that typically either come up or should be addressed when we uh, meet with a loved one. Yeah, so let's, let's break them down. What are the three? All right, so here we go. Break them down to this. 
Uh, one would be conversations to have with your parents if they're still alive. Yep, if you have aging parents. Uh, com- yep. yep, conversations to have with your kids and conversations to have with your spouse. Mm-hmm. And I'll add to that maybe the fourth, conversations to have with your siblings and nieces and nephews, particularly for a single person. Okay. I thought you were going to say that the conversation to have with yourself, and I'm like, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good fifth it's one, not right? Not a bad idea, right? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's start with our parents. Okay, so many of the people who are in their, their 40s, 50s, or 60s are kind of what I call in the sandwich generation, Mark, right? They're dealing with aging parents as well as, children and sometimes even grandchildren. So and, and many families is what they call a no talk rule. Do you ever hear of that? Where they don't discuss hmm. money with their kids. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, that. We don't my, talk about that. Yeah, my I had an older uncle uh who who was very who was that way and he was my dad's oldest brother and they were like I think they were already like fifteen years apart. So he was seemed really old to me when I was growing up and he yeah he was that way. Yeah, that's definitely more of an older generation thing, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's a big mistake, I think, when it comes to parents who are getting older, right? So often at a necessity, the adult children are kind of thrust into their parents' financial lives. Mm-hmm. And one way to broach this topic gently, I think, is to ask an elderly relative or their spouse if they're having any trouble paying bills or having any other financial issues. And it's often due to uh, cognitive issues. Right. Yeah. True. So, I think we need to be uh, sensitive to the more like subtle cognitive changes, and you can see these showing up when you're together in a in a big family event, like a slow to react questions or problems finding simple words or frustration at simple tasks. It kind of a general stoic demeanor. Yeah, we all, my mom's 82 and we we I know I give her a hard time on a fairly regular basis and she laughs a lot and she'll be like, "Why are you always giving me such a hard time?" I was like, "Cuz it keeps you on your toes." And I was yeah. like, "Cuz if I you know, cuz a lot of times I'll notice that if it's just real mild and not kind of engaging, she does drift a little bit, you know, or whatever. So I find that if I kind of uh, kind of poke the bear, so to speak, in a fun way, she she ends up responding a little better, right? So y- you got to kind of feel, you're going to know how your parents are going to respond a little bit if you're, if you're starting to see this uh, cognitive issues. What else? Yeah, very true. So I, I would say also uh, getting together with uh, parents and aging parents particularly is find out if they have uh, long-term care insurance. And many, many people who are in their 70s or their 80s took out policies marked like 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, if they have it, you know, often they don't even know what the benefits are. Mm-hmm. So it's important to kind of gather the information on those benefits. And a, a child can get on a three-way conversation call with uh, the insurance company and gather information and right. you know just kind of get updated on what's in there, what the benefits are, what triggers the benefit, if it covers home care and as well as assisted living, nursing home care. You know, most of the m- newer policies cover all three of those. But better yet, get a a power of attorney form or some sort of limited authorization with the insurance company so you're on file to be able to contact the company in the future if need be. And if you have this information updated with these authorizations or power of attorney on file, it really allows you to snap into action if long-term care is needed. And it likely will be, by the way, about half of people, once they're 65, are going to need long-term care at some point in life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point, you know, that you make about the legal documents. So let's talk a little bit more about those because, it, I mean, obviously that can be a huge uh, component to hold this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a big deal, too. We, we talked about that earlier is uh, about 
less than half of Americans, I think the stat is like 46%, mm-hmm. have, even have a will. Right, yeah. Right? Good news, if you're over 65, about 75% have a will. So it's more... It's more likely, but still, it's a it's a big hole, big gap. And if you don't have one, the state has one for you. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's yeah. called the uh, statute. Yeah, right? exactly. So they'll tell you what to do with uh, the assets, and that's what people don't want. Is right, a, a government dictated will. Uh, but here's the problem as well: big problem. Many wills, even the power of attorney and the living will, they're more than ten years old, and some of them are twenty or thirty years old. The documents don't expire. But they can be very outdated, uh, particularly where life has changed dramatically since they were created, right? You know, typical changes are deaths, divorce, disability, marriages, uh, kids with substance and abuse problems, things like that. Yeah, you know, and I was taught, Don, to use, you know, when you're talking about like updating, even just updating documents, right? Using like the death, divorce, disability, that's kind of the D's are good reminders to like make sure that you've checked their beneficiary designations, things of that nature, you know, a divorce in the family or something like that, because it just kind of keeps you reminded to update those various documents that you just talked about. Yeah, very common. Like if you look at an older will, what you see in there when it comes to executors, um, people who are uh, benefactors, you see a lot of people who were deceased, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so you have right. a, an executor, they're gone, right? And, mm-hmm. and is there a backup? Is there a backup executor? Is there a backup person to to handle the uh, power of attorney and the healthcare authorizations, those sort of things? So right. some yeah. questions to ask are, how old are the documents, right? Okay. Where are the documents kept? <laughs> Very important. Right? Where are they, yeah. right? Uh, are the power of attorney forms signed? Here's one. I was just speaking with the attorney yesterday. Often people get these drafts from the attorney, but they don't have them signed. Hmm. So you have a t- power of attorney forms with no signatures on them. Yeah. So Not it's unusual. pointless. Yeah. It doesn't work, right? A yeah. couple of things to keep in mind. An original copy of the will needs to pre- has to be presented to the surrogate's court at death, right? An original. Mm-hmm. Signed copy of the will, so you have to know where that is. And it's generally recommended to update the documents every two to five years, or if there's any significant life change, like we mentioned before. Yeah. However, here's something that's becoming more of an issue. Many financial institutions, Mark, they want newer documents, right? They don't want a document that's even five years old. Oh, wow. Depending, Yeah, depending upon who's presenting the document. So the attorney where you had it done provided they're still alive, by the way. <laughs> um, That's a good point. Have, I didn't even yeah. think about that, yeah. Yep. The attorney should have everything in their files, too, yeah. except maybe the original will, which you should have either you know, somewhere in a safe deposit box or you know, safely uh, stored in your home. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that with the attorney. You know, aging, if you have an aging attorney or whatever. So that's a good point. Uh, anything else regarding mom or dad? Uh, yeah, be sure um, their living arrangements are really appropriate, right? You see a lot of that. Mm. Uh, and they're not doing anything dangerous, like hanging Christmas lights on the roof, uh, which people do. Yeah. I mean, I saw my neighbor across the street. He was hanging those Christmas lights and climbing up on ladders. And, yeah, you know, just you may have heard this. Just this week, a younger former NFL football player died after hitting his head. After oh, yeah. Falling in his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he played. He used to play for the Titans. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Frank Reichek. Yeah. He was only 52 years old. So 
you know, if it could, it could really happen to anyone is the point. Yeah, you know, slip and falls, man. Yeah, you never know. Absolutely. So if you have an opportunity to get to the person's house, look around the house for clues. It's something's not right. Like, you know, you might see a bunch of uh, bills on the table, mm-hmm. overgrown yard and landscaping, that sort of thing. Piles of dishes, lots of clutter, that sort of thing, or just telltale signs. Yeah. Yeah. Check the fridge too. We do that often with mom. We go look at her fridge to see if anything's gotten too old or expired because mm. she can't see some of the dates or or, you know, thinks it's fine and it's not, you know, little stuff like that, like you said. That's uh, a great point. Yeah. So good suggestions for sure. Uh, so, all right. What about conversations with our bambinos, with our kids? The kids. Yeah, that's a big one. I think it's helpful for kids when it comes to money conversations, Mark. It's a good idea, you know, in general for your kids to have some general sense of your finances. I mean, they can kind of tell by how they grew up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But they don't have to know everything. But it's good for them to know some basics like tax issues, you know, how that works with assets they might inherit, like the house, uh, the savings and the retirement accounts, because they operate completely differently. Like we talk about inherited IRAs and things like that. Yeah. They have different tax characteristics. And they should also have for sure your main financial points of contact, right? Like the financial advisor. Uh, your estate planning attorney, your CPA. And a big question is, you know, from the standpoint of their lives is, are they taking the right steps for their own financial future? Right. Mm, Very true. I mean, as, yeah, as many parents can attest, it can be kind of difficult to encourage, you know, (laughs) teens, young adults to do the right thing without sounding like you're giving them like a lecture. (laughs) You mean they don't listen to us? No Uh, way. Right. You know, they, they love the lecture, right? Oh, they, yeah. That's where they start avoiding. Even when it's work. not a lecture and you're just trying to be cool and talk to them, they're like, you can just see them and you're like, I'm not, I'm getting nowhere with you. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it can be frustrating, but yeah. you know, the kid, nevertheless, the kids should appreciate our hard work, right? Diligence and wisdom. You know, even if they don't take the action on yeah. all the suggestions. And I think a lot right of them away. do. It just doesn't happen that minute, right? Sometimes it has to sink in. At least it did it, for me, you know? It does. And as they move on from like their teens into yeah. their 20s and, and into their 30s, I mean, they start evolving. Oh, yeah. Dad of, was not a complete idiot. <laughs> exa- you get smarter and smarter. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I get smarter and smarter. So is my wife. Yeah. But for a young adult just getting started in a career, it, here's some basic things that need to be put in place right away, right? Mm. Uh, among them are this. Make sure that they have you know, good uh, car insurance, yes. right? yes. health insurance. Uh, they can contribute to their 401k or Roth IRA. And we talked about before that Roth IRAs are often really great for young people who are in lower tax brackets because they're not getting tax deductions that are that meaningful anyway. Mm-hmm. You might as well put it into the Roth IRA, let it grow tax-free. So down the road, hopefully when they're doing better and they're at a higher tax bracket, they have a bucket of tax-free money. Right. You know, basic thing, set up an emergency fund, right? Six months, three months minimum of emergency money. And they're a great podcast. I'd find right now that a lot of young people are attracted to on the internet. One that my kids listen to is this guy that does something called financial audit. Uh, his name is Caleb Hammer. Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't heard of that, but we can certainly put a link up to it. So yeah, yeah. it's well, let's, it's, let's do that. It's kind of designed for kids or younger folks. 
It is. You yeah. know, he comes into their the studio and they show him their bank statements and their spending and he kind of kind of tears them up <laughs> a mm. little bit. Gotcha. About, you know, what is this? What is that in your what are you spending money here on? For? What is this for? That kind of thing. Yeah, no, you that's know, cool. How yeah. much? How much debt do you have? Uh, are you, why is there a balance in your credit card? Good things, but the point is, he's a young guy, right? Right. He's twenty seven, twenty eight. So it's a peer, right? Uh, yeah, for so sure. We'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll throw up a, a link to that. But, yeah, definitely. You know, here here's also an, an often overlooked item for young people. Getting back to some of the legal documents, anyone over eighteen really should have a power of attorney living will and healthcare authorization. So think of it this way. If your 18-year-old kid or grandchild goes off to college and needs medical care or you need to get information from the college, you're shut out once they're over 18 and they're not a minor. So yeah, it's big time. Yeah. Get that form done. I've experienced it. Many people have where they just need that information and they say, well, I'm sorry, we can't, can't share that you, with right? you. They're an adult. Yep. Dad, because this child is not a child. They're 19. Yep. So, I mean, I finally, when it comes to kids, I mean, I think we have to be mindful that one of the most important legacies we can leave the next generation really is not even financial per se, but it's our values. Mm -hmm. It's the things that many of us take for granted, like, uh, you know, faith, family, and friends-focused issues, uh, delayed gratification, perseverance, you know, self-sacrifice, being other-centered. and These things are really sometimes not high on the list in today's culture, Mark, except maybe being focused on what their friends think. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think a lot of that stuff, too, our conversation a minute ago, starts to seep in over time. You know, my daughter's 26 now, and in 16 to 26, I've, I've seen a lot more of that stuff seep into her brain uh, than she was accepting at 16, right? So uh, definitely, I think it's a great idea is to make sure that you're being mindful about those values that you guys portray, you know, or that you uh, emit to your children as well. Uh, what about the last conversation, the one with our honey bunnies? Yeah, that's a, uh, the most sensitive among them all, I think. <laughs> but getting back to the one with the kids, I mean, you're right that when it comes to values, I've heard it said that they're more often caught than taught. Oh, I right? like that, yeah. They, they, they kind of catch what we're up to and what we're doing to see if, you know, we're kind of walking the walk and talking the talk. Mm -hmm. But getting back to the sensitive conversation with spouses and I think, you know, the financial conversations, particularly around spending and saving money can be a, you know, a real source of stress and, and really obviously trigger arguments. Right. Right. And I think to make the process more productive, it's good to try to frame it as a way to make sure that our future together is on track. Right. So it could be helpful to think about ways to make the potentially stressful money talks more enjoyable. So one idea uh, was in addition to regular date nights, which is always a good idea. Uh, you and your spouse might have a periodic uh, money discussion night, right? Yeah. Where do we stand? Yeah. During which you kind of review the finances, the spending, where, you know, where that's going. And then you follow it by a nice dinner Right. Hopefully, if it doesn't, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was like, don't do the conversation at dinner, especially if you've gone, yeah. especially if you've gone out. But yeah, make sure it's productive and right. gentle. Right. 
uh, and linking the potentially kind of boring and stressful budget discussion with something to look forward to can make it more likely that husbands and wives will stay on top of mundane but mm. important financial details. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and often, you know, as we all know, one person in a relationship is often a saver and one's a spender, you know, opposites attract and it's easy for conflicts to arise. Yeah, no, that's a good point, especially if you're talking about the budget thing where you can be like, you know, well, if we're trying to save money towards a, a specific trip or something like that, you know, use the conversation, but keep it fun and light about the trip, you know, because the trip's going to be more fun and appealing than the old B word, right? Than the old budget Absolutely. word. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a good point. All right, what else? All right. So, you know, getting uh, regarding the future, getting back to the future, so to speak. Great, great Scott. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a good idea to talk about what your shared goals are, right, yeah. for the future together. Definitely. So a regular date night can also spur discussions about like longer term goals. My wife and I, when we go out, we often talk about where we want to live in the future when the kids grow up. It's always a fun conversation, mm -hmm. right? To Thinking think about, about where if you just, if it's just the home you're in is the forever home or not, right? Or if you're going to live someplace else. Yeah. So you know, especially in the years leading up to retirement. It's helpful to have a, a series of discussions about you know, what each of you of, uh, would like to envision for the, the next part of life and hopefully are on the same page and what each person's ideal day would look like and how much time each of you would spend together when they're no longer working outside the home. That could also be a sensitive thing, right? Oh, big time. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people have learned that over the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, work. COVID taught that a little bit. If you were stuck at home for a little while and it's like, oh, this is what retirement might be like when we're around each other every day. So, yeah, very much so. Right. It's kind of like a little glimpse yeah. into retirement. So, you know, and also, where does each person want to live in the, in the same geographic location as during the years when kids were growing up and you're working or somewhere new and different? Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, people choose to be a snowbird, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're like, you know, they might think I'm going to be going to Florida, but man, it's so hot for those four months. <laughs> right. So I heard a friend of mine saying people move to Florida. They don't move back to New Jersey. They move, they call them halfbacks. Ah. They, they move back to Georgia or North Carolina, South Carolina. Gotcha. Interesting. Because they... They like the seasons. Yeah, like to have a few seasons. Well, we just had uh, we had all four of the uh, four of them the other day, and one one afternoon, and one day we had all four <laughs> seasons. So that does happen in North Carolina. It does. Right? Yeah, it was weird. So, what type of living arrangement you want? There's a question. You know, a house or a condo, a motor home, retirement community, which my wife is dead set against. Mark, mm. by the way, she doesn't like she that idea. No, she's like, no, we will never live in a gated retirement community. Okay. But, you know, things change. This is down the road. Sure. And you have to think about what's best for the next phase of life. And, you know, I have a client retiring next month, bought one of those big RVs. My buddy's been it's doing good. it for a couple of years now. Yep. So, yep. He's probably been traveling around the country, right? He has. Yep. And, and, he's, and he, he retired early because of the military. So he's he's been living uh, Yeah. Well, they're at that, you know, late 50s, early 60s age. So they got the RV and yeah. they're like, hey, we're just going to jump in there and see where it takes That's us. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, we don't have that schedule. We don't have to travel for meetings anymore. So total freedom for them. And we'll see how it goes. But, you know, as with any money discussion, Mark, it's, it's possible that, the, you know, the two partners may not have the exact same vision for the future and life and the goals. But... 
continued discussions and a commitment to understanding each other and why each person really wants or what they want, you know, really, I think helped to clarify the picture of what a shared future is going to look like. And what we said earlier is that it's important to have the the kind of the really the heart, the right heart attitude when addressing these topics. When I find when people feel uncomfortable, they they either withdraw, right? Don't say anything. Mm-hmm. or they become hostile and angry <laughs> and yeah. then nothing good happens. No, for sure. I mean, that's great points. And you, you want to make sure that your holiday festivities are, are staying light and fun and stuff. But it's also, again, a good time to really talk about uh, some important issues when everybody's together, especially if you have aging parents on that side of things. Uh, so, all right, well, we've spent you know some time talking about uh, those various topics. And we talked about spending time this year watching uh, movies. So, Let's talk Christmas movies, Don. Let's wrap it up here. What do you think? Uh, you got like a, a like a rundown list for us? I do, Mark. Since I knew that this was coming up, this question, I kind of put together a top 10 list. Okay. We'll see how it matches up with yours, right. right? Number 10, animated. Uh, it's more of a, it's a short, uh, like a TV movie, right? The classic. Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Frosty. I'm not, yeah, it's, they're kind of neck and neck. You could kind of you could kind of slash and put them both together since they're only like 20 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll put them along with uh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay, okay. That's a great one. My kids love that one. Yeah. Here's an oldie. I'm not sure if you've seen this one. White Christmas with Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. Every single time that she's putting up the Christmas tree, that's on. <laughs> so, yep. It kind of reminds me of another one, Christmas in Connecticut, but that didn't make the list. Okay. All right. Number seven, Home Alone. Mm-hmm. That's pretty classic, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, not that old, probably, what, 30 years old. Yeah. Here's an oldie. Miracle on 34th Street. Well, I'll, say, which, I'll say which one is the the one from the 90s or the one from like way back? Oh, the 1940s version. Okay. Okay. Yeah. With um, oh Natalie Wood. Yeah. That was who it was. Gotcha. Yeah. Number five is a relatively new one. There's three of them. The Santa Claus movies. Well, actually, it's kind of almost 30 years old too, but yeah. yeah. Is it really? Yeah. In like the early 2000s, late 90s, I think. So. I think the original one and the second one, great. The third one yeah. was a bomb, like eh, most yeah. third ones were. Yeah. But the, yeah, the uh, first here, one's really good. Yeah. All right, here's a favorite of my household. Elf. Ah, the kids like it. Yeah, kids love Elf. Uh, here's another one kids like. It's on constantly now. <laughs> 24 hours. Story. I was like, I knew it. 24 hours of a Christmas story on TBS. It's like a- oh, Chris, I think I know every word of that one. Yeah. Uh Classic, and there's been many of these too. This goes back to the 19th century. A Christmas Carol. Okay. I think the original movie was basically 80 years ago. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, number one, actually, is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, of course. Got a, that's like super classic, right? You could put that, that one is, or White Christmas. They could be number one on many people's list. I think that's my wife's number one favorite movie, no matter Christmas or otherwise, of all time. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. Good list. I like it. Very good stuff. Uh, I would probably, just because I'm weird like that, I've got to swap out the guy thing, uh, and I've got to put, uh, i got to, I probably take Elf off because nobody, nobody in our house really cared for it, and I'd have to put Scrooged on. <laughs> Bill, ah, yes, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> it's, I mean, it actually has a great message by the end of it, right? I mean, it's funny along the way, but then it has the good message. So I might swap that out. But other than that, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. All right. That sounds like we're on the same page. And I wonder how that matches up with top 10 for our listeners. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a crossover there, yeah, but people be. sure have other. There's so many great Christmas movies, great Christmas songs. I mean, 
you know, not everyone's going to have the same list. Yeah, and speaking of, we'll wrap it up with this. Did you see where Brenda Lee got back on number one with uh, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree after like 60 years or something? So it was like the Is number one. Is that true? Yeah, it was like the number one Christmas song. And she beat out the Mariah Carey song. Yay! The one oh, that takes that one annoys me. Yeah, it takes yeah. over every year. So yeah, Brenda my, Lee. My, that, the Brenda Lee song is my oldest daughter, Carly, her favorite Christmas song as a little kid. Well, there you go. Let her know it was number one again. So back after like 60 years or something like that. So mm. cool stuff. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. So guys, if you need some help, you got some questions, reach out to Don as we're wrapping up here for the year. Well, we've got new episodes coming as always. We'll be back with new podcasts in January of 2024, which sounds so weird to say uh, 2024. But if you need some help, again, reach out to Don. He's always available for you to get in contact with. Get on the calendar, schedule some time at Donald Cash com. That's Donald Cash. Com. He is a CPA and a CFP, Certified Financial Planner. So get yourself onto the calendar. Have a conversation with him today. You can also call him at 800-664-1183. And don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, whichever platform app you like to use. Just type in your money and your life. Or again, find it all at his main website at donaldcash.com. My friend, have a great holiday and uh, you enjoy time with the family. And I'll see you real soon, like two weeks. You too. We wish everyone a great Christmas and an awesome new year and holiday season. Absolutely. We'll catch you next time, folks, right here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.